Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to Jude chapter 1. I'm going to go through the whole book of Jude today. Let's get some of you who are in the back like Ozzy. I was going to say Ozzy and Harriet, if anybody remembers that. I'm too young to remember it. But let's get you guys to come in the front. I haven't seen you for a while. Come on up here and join us. We're going to go through the whole book of Jude, and it's not that long. It's only 24 verses. But I feel it's so appropriate today to go through this book of the Bible because of what's going on in our generation. The book of Jude. And the t- today's uh, title of today's message is Lord Have Mercy. Amen. Everybody say that. Lord Have Mercy. Come on, say it again. One, two, three. Mercy. And you're going to see why in just a little bit. Jude chapter 1. And I'm going to give you some history on it. So hold your place in Jude chapter 1 and then also go to Matthew. I believe it's Matthew chapter 13. Also go to Matthew 13. I got two Bibles and I grabbed the wrong one. Hold your place in Jude and go to Matthew chapter 13. I believe it's verse 55. Find it. There we go. And I did remember correctly. Hallelujah. Matthew thirteen fifty five. Man, did Brother Ricky, our main man, do an awesome job last Sunday? Did he not? Can we bless the Lord for that? Man, thank you, my brother. I, I, I will not tell a lie. I have not gone through the whole message. But I listened to enough of it that it just impressed me and blew me away. You know why it impressed me and blew me away? Because you were going verse by verse through the Bible. And I just love that. Like you were preaching to me, and, and I could tell that you put a lot of heart into that, and so I will finish the rest of it. But I was uh, just amazed that you had gotten that scripture because, you know, I have preached that scripture so many times out of my own life. How many were blessed by that word? Amen? Amen. Thank you, my brother. I wanted to, to say that in front of everybody. Okay, holding your place in Jude chapter 1, looking at Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, I want to show you who Jude is in the Bible. Most people do not know who Jude is, and you're going to learn right now. Jude is the brother of Jesus. Did you know that Jesus had brothers? He had sisters. Now, there's only one group of people that teach that Mary never had children again. And they're the same type of people that believe that Mary was born sinless and that Mary ascended to heaven and never died. Okay, does anybody know who those group of people are? Amen. And they also pray prayers to her. So uh, the Catholic Church has made a lie and a myth of who Mary is. Mary was not born sinless. Mary did not have perpetual virginity. Mary did not ascend to heaven, and she is not a co-redemptrix with Jesus Christ. Amen? You don't have to pray to Mary. You just go right to Jesus. Amen? And even Jesus himself, when people came looking for him at this time right here, Jesus said, my mother and brother and sister are not my people of birth, but those who do the will of God. Amen? So there's no special rank with these people. They were just people that God used. Okay? So look at verse 55. 
These are uh, Jewish people, and they're basically questioning Jesus and saying, how can he be the son of God? You know, who does he think he is? And their argument against Jesus in his hometown was, how can Jesus be the son of God when we know his family? And that's what's going to give us the insight into Jude. Verse 55, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters with us? Where, uh, where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. So a couple wonderful things you learn right here is that Jesus had brothers and sisters. The only uh, way that the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church gets away from this is they try to say that the Greek word adalphos, where we get the word adalpho, which means brother, means also kinsman, and that could mean his cousins. But that is just full of baloney because there's no context of his cousins. It's Mary, the mother, and then it's the brothers and sisters. It would make no sense to say Mary is now with his female cousins and his male cousins. That's not what's going on. This was the home he was raised in. Those are See, isn't this the carpenter's son? It's talking about his father, his mother, his brothers and sisters. And everybody said, amen. The next thing that you learn is that they have some names, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Well, the, the exact word for Judas is Jude. It's just pronounced differently at different times and spelt differently. But it's the same exact word. Old English called it all the same, Judas. I don't know why in the NIV they call it Judas here and then Jude in Jude chapter 1. But there's, there's this, no difference. It's the exact same word. It's Iodas in the Greek, and that's that person. And then the third thing that you learn is that Jesus offended people. So there ain't nothing wrong with offending people. There ain't nothing wrong with preaching the gospel. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, there ain't nothing wrong. There ain't nothing wrong. Amen. Now go back to Jude chapter 1. Stay sanctified. Amen. Stay sanctified. Hallelujah. Because there ain't nothing wrong with offending people, and that's what Jesus did. It's a little side note, because most people never talk about those things. So we like to talk about those things here. Okay, Jude chapter 1. His name is Eodas, which is uh, the word Jude or Judas. And um, this is not Judas, Iscariot, obviously. And there was another disciple named Judas. So there's actually three Judases in the Bible. Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. Judas, a disciple. And Judas, Judas or Jude, a brother of Jesus. Now, what you see right here, Jude chapter 1, verse 1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. And that goes along with what you just read. He had a brother named James, Joseph, and Simon. And what's beautiful about this is James is actually the leader of the Christian church. If you remember in the Council of Jerusalem, when they had a decision to make of whether or not the Christians were going to follow the Jewish laws, they came to the Jerusalem church. And who was the one to write the letter and have the final say what was his name James his name was James and that wasn't James the brother of John that's James the brother of Jesus also the brother of Jude are y'all with me now of course since Jesus was born of the father the spirit conceived him inside of the uh, womb of Mary he is technically the half brother of Jude and James now James is good to know because James wrote the book of James so now you've just learned some fun facts Jude and James are half brothers of Jesus and they wrote in the Bible and right here what I love about Jude is that Jude doesn't claim his authority by being a brother to Jesus Jude claims his authority by being a servant of Christ. 
So how much more ought all of us be servants of Christ? It's not Joe, the pastor of the greatest church in the world, with the greatest people in the world, and therefore I'm so awesome. No, it's not, oh, here's Griselda, the pastor of, Gris, uh, of Crossover, and this and that makes her so awesome. No, it's Joe-ish, Griselda, servants of Jesus Christ. Amen? We should all be servants. Number one, we should all be servants. Everything we do is as a service to Jesus Christ. Why do I pastor the church? Because I'm serving Jesus Christ. Why do I love the Lord? Because I'm serving Jesus Christ. Why do I invite people to my home to teach them the word of God? Serving Jesus Christ. Why do I go out in the streets and preach like a madman? Because I'm out there serving Jesus Christ. Everything you do, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your ministry, in this church, on your job, you should look at yourself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Amen? If you want to be a servant, somebody say, I'm a servant. Praise God. And then he tells you, I'm a brother of James, because this was qualifying who he was, because there were so many Judases at that time. Now look who he's writing to. To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. So he's writing to specific people. Now you've got to understand, Jesus has called everybody, but not, only, but not everybody has picked up the phone. It's those who pick up the phone is who he's talking to. Are you listening? The Bible says he's knocking at the door of everybody's heart. But who Jude is writing to are those that open up and say hello. Let me give you a scripture that Jesus said. Many are called, but few are chosen. What does that mean? It means in the Roman times, the Roman military would go from town to town, and they would build up their military force. The young men actually wanted to be in the military because if you were a Roman soldier, you would have all of the benefits of uh, the home and food and bread, and you would have a great uh, insurance plan at that time. And then when you traveled, your expenses would be paid for. You can make a great living, okay? Well, these young men wanted to be those soldiers. So what would happen is when the military would come, they would call all the young men. So all the young men were called, come on out. But then they had tryouts. Then they had to perform. Then they had to do, you know, certain activities like how fast can you run? How many boulders can you pick up? All of this. And then they would choose the ones who wanted it the most and who were most qualified. Are you listening? We're not saved by our works and all the great things that we do to impress God. That's not what we get out of this. But what we get out of this is that God calls everybody. But those who show up and want to be on the team are the ones who get picked. Because you've got to want this. You've got to want Christianity. You've got to want Jesus. You have got to be willing to give him everything. And so what his condition, what his term is, is that you forsake all for him. You forsake your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your fiance. Amen. For Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. we got a new one that's engaged. Bell and Marcus Velasquez are now engaged. Amen. What a better time to announce it right now. Amen. But as I'm teaching this, she has to learn, as I've learned, I have to forsake my wife and put Christ first. That doesn't mean I become a deadbeat dad or a, uh, an unfit husband. It just means God is always number one, even on Bible class days. Amen? He's still number one. Well, that's what he's saying right here to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. So have you been called? Amen? Have you answered the phone? Are you following Jesus? Now look at what happens right here. You see God, the Father, and Jesus Christ working together. There is no way that they could have this relationship unless they were equal. For Jesus to be put on the same level of the Father in sentences like this and not be equal is blasphemy. 
It would be like those who are loved by God the Father and kept by Gary. How many know you can't put Gary's name there? Okay, let me say it again. Those who are loved by God and kept by Pedro. Does that make it easier? No, I'm just kidding. Those who are kept by God and uh, those who are loved by God and kept by Ricky. We couldn't put anybody else's name there. So this is another lesson in the Trinitarian thought. This is not, see, the Trinity wasn't designed and developed by church fathers and councils in darkened rooms with lit candles trying to figure out who God was. No, God is made evident through the writings of the apostles. Every time they talk about the Father, they talk about the Son. They go hand in hand. And then when you begin to put the Spirit right in there, you always see them working together. So there's a Trinitarian formula for you. And then in verse 2, he gives them the standard greeting, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. The other substitution for the word mercy would be grace and peace. Or you would see grace and peace and love. But you see, Jude just puts in mercy, peace, and love. And so that is their salutation. Amen? This is the letter. Now, you would think once again uh, that this means that now he's just going to talk about how much he loves everybody. You know, I, you guys just, come on, can you all think with me just a little bit here? Imagine you are these people. He doesn't name the city he's writing to like Paul. But let's just say it's to Chicago. You don't have any other of the New Testament. All you have, if you're fortunate, is one gospel that's your pastor, which I would have. So I would probably have, if this is Jude, the brother of James, we would probably have the gospel of Mark or Matthew, one of the more popular ones that were around the Jewish people, because this, this brother is with James, and James is in Jerusalem. So chances are we would either have Mark, which is uh, the servant of Peter, so Peter's gospel, or we would have Matthew, who was, you know, one of the original disciples. Are you all with me? So we either have Matthew or Mark. That's all we have. That's all we know about God. And then now Jude writes us a letter. Now think how serious this would be to us. This is it. We don't know Paul. We don't have a relationship with Paul. We haven't got any of Paul's letters yet. Maybe we'll get James's letter, and it's hard to decide which one came first, but maybe we would have Jude and James's letter because they were brothers and hanging out, and maybe we would get eventually Peter's letters because they were probably close in proximity. But you've got to understand there's no faxes, there's no emails. The only way you got these letters is if somebody was educated, hand-copied them, and traveled all the way to where you were. So having just one was amazing. Are you with me? Now begin to put on your thinking caps and think about what begins to happen right here at the beginning of the verses. The beginning of his talk. Think about how serious he's going to get in this letter. He just said, hey, this is who I am. I, I'm called and I'm calling. I, I mean, you're called and I'm talking to you. And here's mercy, grace, and peace. And when you get to verse 3, literally, it's like one breath. The man doesn't take another breath until he says goodbye at the end. It is probably one of the most intensest letter of the whole Bible. It is intense. How many have read the book of Jude? I mean, this is intense. You're going to start hearing about the judgment of angels. You're going to hear about false prophets. You're going to hear about ungodly people about five different times just in one verse alone. You are going to hear about snatching people from the fire of hell. And it is going to happen within 24 verses. Now imagine you are the church that he's writing to, and this is all you have. As we read this, I want you to take it seriously. Amen? Okay, here we go. Verse 3. And I just love what it, look what it says right there. It's the title in the NIV. The sin and doom of godless men. 
Help me, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen for that? The sin and doom of godless men. I don't understand how people can preach any other message. These are the messages of the Bible. I mean, I was street preaching yesterday, and the people come up to me, and they say, don't you think Jesus would be nicer than you? And, and I said, no, this, is, this was it. There wasn't like another message Jesus went around and skipped to and, and, and sang to like he was Barney. And I always tell you guys that here, and I hope you don't get tired of hearing it, but you know what I'm saying. Like he just skips around. Hey, boys and girls, I've come a long way to be with you. Guess what I got in my bag? Goodies. Can everybody say goodies? Goodies. And then he just starts throwing out goodies. Honestly, that's like how Harry Krishna comes. Seriously, Harry Krishna comes. He's a little blue guy. He's the god of the the Harry Krishna, uh, the uh, the Hindus. He comes playing a flute. All these people are dancing with him. And then guess what he does? Let me tell you what he does. He goes down to a little pool where the maidens are bathing. And guess what he does? He takes their clothes and he runs away with their clothes and he hides in a tree and he becomes a peeping tom when all the naked women come out for their clothes does that sound like jesus but i think that's what that woman wanted last night at wicker park i think she wanted the harry krishna version of jesus that's not the version of jesus we believe in you all are realizing that other religions make jesus and by the way they consider krishna and christ to be the same thing and jesus was another incarnation of krishna that's where i'm going with that they think jesus was like it jesus was nothing like that Jesus, of course, loved people. He loved them just like we're loving them. He loved them to tell them the truth. He loved them to die for them. He loved to do all these great things. So let's talk to Jude. Jude just said, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. But now the sin and doom of godless men. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, so he was excited, he was going to talk to you about all the good stuff, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and denied Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Come on, it's tight, but it's what? He said, guys, I was going to write you about all of the things we share in salvation. You can leave the scriptures up as I go through them, please, because I need to reference them. He said, I was going to write you about the things we share together. What was he going to write? We'll never know. He could have been talking about all the blessings that Christians have. He could have been wanting to write about all the spiritual gifts and all of the miracles that are happening. But right there he says, you know what? i got to take a detour. I have got to tell you about what I see going on. And what he said is that people have come into the church and they are lying to you. This is what Charles Spurgeon said a famous preacher from England. Satan knows right well that one devil in the church can do far more than a thousand devils outside the church. I'm going to read that again. The devil knows, or Satan knows, that one devil in the church can do far more than a thousand devils outside the church. 
So where does Satan want to attack on this planet? He wants to attack what? The church. If he wants to bring in lies and heresy, where does he want to bring those lies and heresy into? The church. Because if he can destroy the hospital, the sick can't get better. If he can destroy the battleship, there'll be no attack on his kingdom. Are you with me? If he destroys the preaching of wisdom, foolishness will be what people have in the land. And what Jude is saying right here is, I felt urge to write you to contend that we get the word fight from. There's even a, a special right now with uh, Sylvester Stallone and, and Tony Danza, the reality show. What? The Contender. You have heard of the show, The Contender? I'm trying to say it like a New Yorker, but I can't. The contender. You know, they're going to fight and contend and battle their way up through boxing. That is exactly what Jude is saying. You have got to fight for the faith that was once entrusted to all the saints. What does that teach us? That the gospel was already given. There's nothing new under the sun. Anybody says we got to do it differently than the way the apostles did, or there's something to add on to it like the Mormons, it's all wrong. If any preacher comes to you and he says, let me do it differently than the way they did to fit my culture, that is wrong. The methodology, the methodology may change, but the mes- message never changes. You know, we sit here today in air-conditioned rooms. That's a method. Okay, they are outside in, you know, um, pineapple trees or whatever, uh, banana trees in Mexico. Out in the uh, time of the, you know, Middle East, in the time of Jesus and the apostles, they met in caves or homes, okay? So the method of where we hear and preach the gospel, et cetera, is different. I'm preaching with a microphone. They didn't have microphones, okay? But the message remains the same. Now, I'm going to ask... Uh, Andrew, to put up a video here of the favorite guy that we like to pick on. And the reason why we're going to put up our friend Joel Osteen is not, and I want you all to listen, listen, look at that guy. He's so cute. How could we have any problems with him? He is a cute guy. Got to give it to him. But here's the thing. Because somebody has told me, they, they, they said, Pastor, you know, you don't want people slandering your church and different things. But isn't that what you do when, when you put up this guy on your website? Isn't that slander? No. And, and I hate to sound prideful when we say this, but there, there's a difference. Number one, slander is when you say something that's not right. What we're talking about is right. And number two, when you do it with malicious intent. I don't have anything against this person. Matter of fact, I pray for him. But the reason why I'm playing him before you today is number one, He pastors the largest church in America. 40,000 people pack out, what was it, the Hornets Stadium, the basketball team in his town, Houston? Rockets, thank you. Houston Rockets. He bought the Houston Rockets Stadium. Praise God. I mean, we should be happy. I mean, a church bought a stadium. They they can fit 20,000 people in a service. This should be exciting. But the problem that we have as pastors, and trust me, I'm not alone on a little uh, you know, soapbox here. We as pastors all over the country are standing against this brother because he is using his platform to preach a different gospel. Now turn with me to Galatians chapter 1 and see how serious we are to contend from the faith from Paul's words. Remember Jude said, hey, I wanted to write you about these uh, wonderful salvation things, but I'm going to teach you to contend for the faith. 
Turn to Galatians chapter 1, and you can just leave that video up there, Brother Andrew. Thank you. Galatians chapter 1. Just look at how serious Paul is. Verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Already, this is around 70 A.D., Jesus left around 30 A.D., already within 40 years, people are preaching a different gospel. And it's getting popular. And Paul has to write the entire book of Galatians to confront a false gospel. Now look how serious he takes it. Verse 7, which is really no gospel at all. The word gospel means good news. And it's a good news message to sinners. It says God loves you, Jesus died for you, and you can be saved. That's what is in, in the word gospel. He says evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So it's not like they totally deny it. But they're perverting it. It's not like a man and a prostitute aren't having sex and aren't doing what married people do. But it's perverted because God intended only a man with his wife to do that. Are you listening? That's where the word perverted comes from. It's not just nasty and dirty. It's a diversion. It's another way of doing something that was supposed to be done right or pure or holy. So a man and a woman supposed to get together and that's where sex is holy. But when a man gets with a prostitute, that's perverted. When man looks at pornography that's perverted how many understand what i'm saying when the gospel says god loved the world but man didn't love god and sin therefore jesus came and died for the world's sins and those who believe in him are saved and those who don't are damned that's the gospel when people pervert that by any other way by saying oh well there's other ways to get your sins forgiven or not everybody goes to hell who hasn't accepted christ or or they try to pervert it in any way that is a perversion of the gospel are you with me Paul said they perverted it. Now look at verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. So I don't care how pretty this guy is. I don't care how big his church is. If he preaches another gospel, that's fighting words to me. So you all got to get that. You see, we just learned it in Jude. I said that's fighting words to me. You see, I'm not talking about getting some Baptists up here, you know, getting Armitage Baptists. You know, we love Armitage Baptists, okay? They're a great church right by Humble Park, does great things for the community, but they don't speak in tongues. They don't have the Shava, okay? Well, we don't put up Armitage Baptists and, like, make the guy look dumb in our service. Oh, well, this guy, look how backslidden he is. We, we don't go to the churches around the city and put up their sermons and say, well, I can preach better than that. No, 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 no. Those aren't fighting words. There ain't nothing to fight about. Okay, you don't believe in tongues. We believe in tongues. We're both going to heaven. Let's keep serving Jesus. You, you, you don't have long worship services. Your church, you know, doesn't let the women preach. Fine. Okay, you all do that. That's fine. We'll just leave you alone. Do what you got to do. We're going to do our thing. That's fine. But what we fight for, what we contend for, are people who mess with the gospel. When you mess with the gospel, that's fighting words. We have got to contend with you. Are you all listening to me? I mean, I'm just reading what the Bible said. I am writing you that you would contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. Does anybody here want to contend for that gospel? Now, let me just give you a little taste 
of what you're going to see right here. What you're going to see is he's in the middle of an interview with Larry King. And Larry King is trying to understand what in the world does he stand for. This man does not have a position one way or the other. He cannot get him to say black or white. So he's trying to pin him down to be like, what do you really believe, man? What do you really believe? And he will not tell him. And as you listen to him, you're going to hear confusion from Joel Osteen. Amen. He is confusing. You can't understand what is his point. But he's a preacher. And he's going to distort the gospel. And then what you're going to hear right from the beginning is a woman's going to call up some dear lady that probably goes to Armitage Baptist, this first Presbyterian, just a woman who loves the Lord. She's going to call up and say, hey, Joel, because at this time not many people knew what he was about. This is right at the beginning of him exploding into the media. There's a whole story about him, uh, about how he got to where he was. His dad was not like him. He took over his dad's church, and he made the church what it is today. And so this woman calls up, and she just says, hey. Hey, Joel, I appreciate your positive messages. You're great. Thanks for that. Thanks for telling me how to be positive. But why do you keep messing, uh, sidestepping Joel, uh, Larry King's questions? Just answer the question. Tell him about heaven and hell. And basically what she's trying to say is, hey, tell him what we believe. We know what we believe. You know, here's a woman. If you all seen the Oprah special, too, where the woman's preaching to Oprah. It's, it's like everybody can tell somebody this, but, but, but the pastors don't seem to be able to get it right. They get tongue-tied. You know why? Because they love money rather than they love God. So let's put a face to these people that, that, that uh, Jude was talking about in our generation because we've got to contend. We've got to fight. And I'm just telling you, we're in like verse 5 right now. Wait till you see what happens with Jude and what he says happens to people like this. Look at what he calls them. He gets very upset with them, and he warns the people, stay away from this type of a teaching. So, brother, will you hit the lights, and let's be informed by this brother. Phoenix, Arizona, hello. Hello, Larry. You're the best. And thank you, Joel, Joel, for your positive messages and your book. I'm wondering, though, um, why you sidestepped Larry's earlier question about how we get to heaven. Um, The Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and the only way to the Father is through him. That's not really a message of condemnation, but of truth. Yeah, I would agree with her. I believe that. So then that Jew is not going to heaven. No, I... I, I Well, here's my thing, Larry, is I can't judge somebody's heart. You know, I don't know. Only God can look at somebody's heart. And so, I don't know. I just, to me, it's not my business to say, you know, this one is or this one isn't. I'm just saying, here's what the Bible teaches, and I want to put my faith in, uh, you know, in Christ. And I, I just, I think it's wrong when we go around saying, you know, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going, because it's not exactly my way. I'm just, but I'm not going to be the God. you believe your way. I believe my way. I believe my way with all my heart. But For uh, someone who doesn't share it, well, it is wrong, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I mean, well, I don't know if I look at it like that. I would, I would present my way, but I'm just going to let God be the judge of that. You know, I don't know. I don't know. So you make no judgment on anyone? No, but I about pres- atheists. No, I just, you know what? I let, I let somebody. Let, I'm going to let God be the judge of who goes to heaven and hell. And I just, again, I present the truth, and I say it every week. You know, I believe it's a relationship with Jesus. But you know what? I'm not going to go around. Telling everybody else, if, if they don't want to believe that, that's going to be their choice. God's got to look at your own heart. God's got to look at your heart. And only God knows that. You believe there's a place called heaven. Amen. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Amen. How can you not tell somebody? What, what, what is this Bible? What is this? Is this, is this a book that uh, is, is next on, on a shelf to Moby Dick and uh, uh, the Da Vinci Code? Or is this the truth on, on what she stands and preaches? 
That's all Jesus did. Jesus didn't say to the Jew, hey, you got your way, I got my way. Let's just figure it out when we get to heaven. What is that? That's not even, how am I helping somebody? Imagine a doctor doing that to you. Hey, you have cancer. It may go away. It may not. We'll just find out. You need a doctor to say, hey, you've got cancer. This is the problem. Now, Jesus help me. I'm trying to do this with the right heart, okay? But those are fighting words to me. Amen. Those are fighting words to me. I do not fight in the flesh, but we fight in the spirit. Amen. And we fight with the word of God, which is sharper than any two edged sword, which divides between the soul and the spirit. It shows the intents of men's heart. It will expose what he is saying. Now, what I want to do is give you just a little bit of church history. I want to read to you. Now, of course, I can show you in this Bible, black and white, all the way to the cows come home about what is the truth. And hopefully you've heard it so many times in here, even just referenced by Paul. If you preach another gospel you're eternally condemned okay but what i want to do is just give you a little history just a little history on top of the bible now this is a man named athanasius and this is what he said you were supposed to do if you wanted to be saved okay let's see if he sounds like joel osteen let's see if he sounds like the preachers of today this is what he says whoever will be saved before all things it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith. And the word Catholic means universal. Roman Catholics took that word over, but universal body of Christ is what Catholic means. It's a good term. Love it, embrace it, hold it. Okay? Whoever will be saved before all things, it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith. This is what everybody believes. With faith, except everyone do keep whole and undefiled, without doubt he shall perish everlastingly. And the Catholic faith is this that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. For there was one person of the Father, another of the Son, another of the Holy Spirit. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit is all one, the glory equal, the the majesty co-eternal. Such the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated. The Father incomprehensible, the Son is incomprehensible, and the Holy Spirit incomprehensible. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. How many know he's trying to make a point here about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? All these are three, not three eternals, but one eternal. As also there are not three uncreated, nor three incomprehensible, but one uncreated and one incomprehensible. So likewise, the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, the Holy Spirit almighty. And yet these are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is your Lord. Yet there are not three lords, but one Lord. For like as we are compelled by the Christian... uh, For like as we are compelled by the Christian verity to acknowledge every person by himself to be God and Lord, so are we forbidden by the Catholic religion to say that there are three gods and three lords. This is how he defines his God, okay? Does this sound anything like what you just heard? (laughs) This is how the church talked, my friends. This is how they defended their faith. He is defending the faith against a, a guy like this who later on in his interview said that he went to India and he said, well, you know what? I went to India and I saw that as they worship God that they really love God there. Hello, their God is not this God. Amen? Oh, amen. I said amen. I need a good amen on that. Amen? 
What you're learning is what a man, look at it, I'm just going to read it one more time. I can see I have lost some of you. This is what he said, whoever will be saved, it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith. And he's going to keep telling you what it is. I thank God for it. The Father is made of none, neither created nor begotten. The Son is of the Father alone, not made nor created but begotten. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten but proceeding. So there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirit. And this is the Trinity. None is afore or after none. None is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal and co-equal. So that in all things, as foresaid, the unity in Trinity and Trinity in unity is to be worshipped. He, therefore, that will be saved must think thus of the Trinity. I appreciate you preaching on the Trinity, brother, because we must know the God we worship. Furthermore, it is necessary to everlasting salvation that he also believes rightly the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he is telling you as Christians, you want to be a Christian, you better understand the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is now saying you better understand the incarnation of our Jesus. For the right faith is that what we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man. God of the substance of the Father, begotten before the world, is the man of substance of his mother, born in the world. Perfect God and perfect man, of a reasonable soul and a human flesh subsisting, equal to the Father as touching his Godhead, and inferior to the Father as touching his manhood. Who, although he is God and man, yet is not two, but one Christ. One, not by conversion of the God into flesh, but by taking of that manhood into God. One together, not by confusion of substance, but by unity of person. For as the reasonable soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one Christ, who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sits on the right hand of the Father, God Almighty, and from hence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. At those who coming, all men shall rise again with their bodies and shall give account for their works." And they that have done good shall go into eternal life, and they that have done evil into everlasting fire. This is the Catholic faith, which except a man believe faithfully, he cannot be saved. Now put that joker back up there. Put him back up there. Put him up there. And just push play at the beginning, and let me... I ask you guys now, did he tell this woman and this man what it took to be saved? Did he even understand what these boys used to teach on what you had to understand to be saved? You don't have to, yeah, go ahead, just push play then. Go ahead, you're good. Push play and I'm going to have you stop and we're going to work and twerk with them. Go ahead, please. There it is. Just push play. There we go. Phoenix, Arizona, hello. Hello, Larry. You're the best. And thank you, Joel, Joel, for your positive messages and your book. I'm wondering, though, um, why you sidestepped Larry's earlier question about how we get to heaven. Um, the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and the only way to the Father is through him. That's not really a message of condemnation, but of truth. Yeah, I would agree with her. Pause right there. So he says, I agree with you. Okay? So I agree that Jesus is the only way. So now Larry is going to come right back to him and say, well, what about the Jew? What about the Muslim who does not believe this? What does the Bible say in Romans? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's all this creed is saying is who is the Lord? How is he Lord? What he does as Lord? Are you understanding? Okay, Muslims don't believe Jesus is Lord. Jews don't believe that Jesus is Lord. Thank you. Hindus do not believe that he is Lord. So let's see what he says. Go on and push play. The Jew is not going to hell. 
No, I, I, I mean, you can. Well, here's my thing, Larry, is I can't judge somebody's heart. Stop right there. I don't. It says right here that unless you believe this, these what the Christians said, you cannot be saved. That's what they preached in 300 A.D. Athanasius at the cost of his own life. Is that what this brother is preaching? Now, as we go through the whole book of Judah, we're done with them. Thank you. You're going to see. I got my hand, so just go and put it up there for me, please. You're going to see what it takes to be saved. Amen? Hallelujah. For certain men, verse 4, whose condemnation was written about long ago, have secretly slipped in among you. Secretly slipped in. They're in churches right now preaching heresy. That is the heresy of our generation. You believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. Don't judge anybody, and we'll be happy. As long as we help each other in world hunger, we do the social gospel, we in poverty, we in sickness and disease. It doesn't matter what you believe, what I believe. Let's just go on. What about the atheist, Joel? Well, I don't make a judgment about him either. So it doesn't matter who you are. As long as you're a good person, when you get to heaven, you have a chance of getting in. That is a lie. But what have they done? They've slipped in among you. But what are they really? Now, now, come on. See, I had to put a name on this. You see, because when I say they are godless men, what do you think of? You think of some little peeping Tom in some dark trench coat with some little mustache, you know, coming out. You know, you guys with those mustaches, you remember, just, you know, sometimes they looked a little dirty, you know, and, and the, that trench coat. And he's, you know, he walks with a hunch and he's got bad breath and he's nasty. He's a godless man, right? We have these images. No, 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 no. Men like Joel Osteen who pervert the gospel in Christian circles are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. You say, oh, well, he acknowledged Jesus Christ. My friends, did he acknowledge Jesus Christ as the only sovereign and Lord? No, he did not. He did not acknowledge the Jesus of the Bible. And therefore, what does that lead you to? Immorality. I can do what I want. Well, heck, if the atheist is on the same playing field as the Christian, boy, I can do whatever I want. And if the Muslim faith is just as valid as the Christian faith, then I can strap a bomb on myself and I can have 40 virgins when I die. And if the Hindus worship God in sincerity, then I can do just what Harry Krishna did, have sex parties and all of those perverted things. Are you listening? You see, you follow people that follow that preaching. It leads to immorality. And once again, another church in Chicago, the pastor had to step down for immorality. We need to pray for them. The Chicago branch of Willow Creek, his, the pastor was exposed for sexual immorality, put on the newspaper. God forbid it in this church. Now, I know good churches can have people fall away. I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm just saying it happens all the time. 
And part of the problem is, is there's no true gospel in the church. But I love how it says, look how what it says. It doesn't say they changed the legalism of our God into a greasy grace message. No. Look at what it says. The godless men changed the grace of God into a license of immorality, meaning grace is a good thing. That grace is good for us. That we're sinners, we're forgiven, we can live holy. How many of y'all get in the point? How in the world is it like 1 o'clock and I am on like verse 4 right now? <laughs> you guys got your Bibles, you're ready. It's like, like a little puppy like right there in front. I can't even do it. There we go. I'm going to preach one more paragraph at least. Can I do that? And I'll take up the next. Look at this. Though you already know all of this. Hello? I'm talking to somebody right here. You already know all this. I want to remind you this. What does he want to remind? That the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. My God, somebody preach this gospel. Amen. Come on, preach it on crossover nights. Preach it on youth nights. Preach it in your small group. You know what happened, fellas. He delivered some people out of Egypt, but those he, that didn't believe, he destroyed. That's a good gospel message. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change for judgment on the great day. Jehovah Witnesses, as we went and preached in front of their, first of all, we preached in their church, then they kicked us out of their church, and then we preached at the front of their church. And you know what they said to us? How could God, how could a loving God send people to hell for that long? You know why? Because He's a just God, and He's a holy God, and He don't mind locking up angels until Judgment Day. That's the type of God we serve. Now, if you want to rewrite the Bible and call it something else like Scientology, you know, those aren't fighting words to me because Scientology doesn't twist my Bible, even though we'll still preach to them the real gospel. But once you take this Bible and you start messing with it, we're going to contend with you. Amen. And I had one of those guys on the phone and at first he was going to sit down and meet with me. And then, and then I said, why don't you come to my house? Y'all love coming to houses. Oh, no, no. We're going to meet with you in White Castle. I said, no, just Come on over to my house. I had all these books, just going to slap them on them. I, I said, come to my house. No, no, we ain't going to come to your house. I said, no, I want you to come to the house. And then like two days later, he calls me up. Hey, look, you know what? I'm just going to give you this pamphlet to read. I, I can't meet with you. And I said, you know why you can't meet with me? Because you're a coward. Because you're afraid. You knock on people's doors and you mess with backslidden Catholics and uninformed Baptists and Protestants. But you won't take on a pastor that knows a little thing or two. And then he hung up the phone on me. And I sent him Revelations 21.8. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving, they shall be sent to the lake of fire, which is the second death. Wow! Come on, somebody. Amen. I said, you're a coward and you're unbelieving. And it says right here that those angels who left their home were put up in prison. The people of Israel who did not believe were destroyed. In verse 7, in a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. 
This man named Plain, Jude did not come to be your buddy. Jude came to preach the gospel. Jude was a brother of Jesus, and he wasn't going to let the Jesus he knew to become some slippery, slippery uh, message of greasy grace to have people do whatever he wanted. They, he was going to make sure they understood that the grace that cost his brother his own life to be crucified was going to be preached correctly. It was going to be entrusted to the next group of people correctly. And that's where we're in today. If you can just stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. Keep the true gospel. Amen. Oh, glory to God. I'm just going to read it and then we'll come back and preach it tomorrow. Uh, next week. rather. Let me just read the rest of these 24 verses. Amen. What is, yeah, we'll come back tomorrow. Oh, hallelujah. In the same way, these dreamers pollute uh, pollute their own bodies, reject authority, slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. You remember we were talking about that scripture earlier this morning? If you don't know any other one, there's a good one to know. Right next to John 3.16, the Lord rebuke you. Okay, verse 10. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do not understand by instinct like unreasoning animals they are the very things that destroy them woe to them they have been taken the way of Cain look think who Cain was they've been taken the way of Cain they have rushed for profit into Balaam's error doing it for money and they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion I challenge you to study every all three of those people's lives this week study Cain study Balaam and study Korah and just see how serious he was right there that these guys were even worse than Judas Iscariot and what they did come on keep going verse 12 these men are blemishes they're zits come on they're zits at your love feast eating with you without the slightest qualm they just chill they act like they're so cool shepherds who feed only themselves they are clouds without rain blown along by the wind autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead they are wild waves of the sea Foaming up their shame, wandering stars from for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Oh, you want to talk about a prophecy? I got a prophecy for you, brother. There's been some black darkness reserved for you forever. Tell me I wouldn't scare you if you heard that prophecy. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. Now look at how many times the word ungodly is used. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his only ones to judge everyone. Okay, brother, you want God to judge? This is how he's going to judge. To judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts. They have done it in the ungodly of way. And all of the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These men are grumblers and false. Finders, they follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Look out, somebody. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, build up yourselves in the most holy faith. Pray in the Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy, the mercy, hallelujah, the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Somebody say, Lord have mercy. 
Woo! Come on, say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy as he comes and brings eternal life. Would you come up here, band, as we just close out? Never forget the message of Jesus Christ. Listen, we're not better than anybody else out there preaching it. I'm not trying to say I'm better than somebody preaching that message. Man, if that church was preaching the message and he could repent and do it, we would support him like we would anybody else, everybody else in this city. Praise God. You know, there's people who preach the message all over this city that love God. Amen. We thank God for New Life Covenant. You know, Evangel right down the road and Armitage Baptist and uh, Midwest Christian Center right there on uh, Central and something else. You know, there's, there's people who love God in this city, okay? There's people who love God in this nation. Okay, there's great people you can watch on TV, you know, wonderful people, guys that can't even think of their names right now, but they're wonderful people. They have television shows. You can watch them. Okay, but here's the thing. Today's message is to teach you we got to contend for the gospel. When people mess with that message, you have got to stand up and say, no, you're not right. You're not preaching the truth. The message can only be as pure as the vessel that carries it. So if you do not carry the message with a pure heart, when you give it, it will be polluted. Now, if this is true, when we believe that it is, this is the only hope for mankind. It is. And right now, churches like us are meeting all over this country, all over the world, And they're preaching that message. Let's do our part. Let's get a hold of the Bible this week and study it and say, God, I just just want to understand your message. I want to understand what you're about. And I want to share it with others. I just posted another book on on the Internet. It's on my Facebook. It's on church history. Read about these people like Athanasius. Read their lives and... Just begin to say, God, I want to do it that way. In closing, let me just read you Hebrews chapter 12. It's always encouraged me when I felt discouraged, when I see people that don't want to preach the gospel. It doesn't mean you've got to talk about hell every week, and it doesn't mean you have to rebuke people. I'm, I'm just saying that that will be a part of it, and we shouldn't be... Let me give you the example like this. We were preaching last night, and we don't know who we're preaching to, okay? We don't know. And... Uh, you know, I'm preaching, and this one guy says, hey, dude, I am a Christian, because I am just letting loose, man. I am just preaching, God have mercy on this generation. You will stand before a holy God. You will meet your maker. He will judge righteously and true, and if you have not repented of your sins, all of them will be held against you. And then people would laugh, and I would say, do you think you can outwit God? God created you. God knows you. You can walk away from this preacher, but you can't walk away from God. I was preaching, and there was like kind of like this Christian guy, you know. Uh, kind of like a little yuppie guy was like, hey, 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 I'm a Christian. You know, like, like, kind of like, relax, dude. It's okay. There's somebody out here that loves God. And I just said to him, then, brother, encourage me to keep prophesying to a backslidden nation. We shouldn't get afraid of the message of judgment. I, I mean, obviously, he says I'm a Christian. That's wonderful. Okay, you're not the one I'm talking to. Amen. But we shouldn't be ashamed of it. That's what I'm trying to get across to you today. Sure, not everybody's going to have a deep voice and I rebuke you like your pastor does. Okay, you'll just say, I rebuke you. But don't be ashamed. 
Don't be ashamed. Hold that message. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Look at what it says. Get that book on church history if you have time this week. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great, a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything off that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy sat before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. As we leave out of here today, let's just pray, God, use me to spread that message. Amen. Father God, we thank you for bringing us here today. Use us, Lord, to spread that message. If you need to repent for receiving a wrong message, as we're praying right now, just come forward and begin to repent. If you're saying in your heart right now, God, I want to be used to share that message, just make your way to the front of this altar, and let's just begin to cry out to God for a fresh anointing.